Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And it's good to be with you. Thanks for tuning in to all of our listeners, uh, both from the Midwest and beyond the Midwest. It's always good to connect with you as we continue to support each other in our ongoing faith formation and just our ongoing witness as faithful Catholics, even in the midst of uh, maybe a lack of cultural support that you know continues to increase in many parts of the world. Uh, but nevertheless, the fire of faith continues to grow, grow uh, burning brightly, and we want to keep supporting one another in that. Father, um, as you know, I'm in St. Louis. You're back in the Diocese of Sioux City. And I recently got an email that was just kind of highlighting the uh, the clergy day that you all had. Uh, yes. You know, and I, I'm not able to join you all and just, you know, run up to Iowa anytime you all get together as priests and deacons of the diocese. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this was a particular clergy gathering that was held regarding the Eucharistic re- revival themes that have been very present in the United States for the past year or so. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. You. It seems like most of your life is kind of like clergy days, you know, just with everybody. Everybody, you, you only spend time with guys who were dressed like priests. So pretty right. much every day is clergy day. <laughs> yes, it's helpful in a large geographical diocese like ours. I mean, it's not as big as some, but it's a pretty decent size, you know, three and a half hours or so across that we get together once in a while um, for these formation days, right? I loved in seminary. I really did. I really enjoyed the weekly formation conferences that were given that were kind of outside of the academic scope, outside of the spiritual direction scope, outside of liturgical scope, but just formation. So it was helpful to have this. And different priests across the country have been tasked with being preachers for this Eucharistic revival that the USCCB has hoped to experience. And we talk about this often, Father Shane, but there's been recent polls that have said that fewer and fewer Catholics who attend Mass have a, a clear and a full understanding of Jesus Christ's presence in the Eucharist, right? And so we don't, we see fewer people coming to Mass after COVID and all this stuff. So what was exciting was, um, well, we talked about this recently, I think, when we gave that that um, that that uh, podcast about the healed, healed, converted scent. But, oh, it was just so exciting to be reminded of all the formation I received in seminary because nothing was new. But it, it was just helpful to say, oh, man, could we get, it'd be great to get on the same page, you know, like that, like we want to see charismatic preaching. That was my favorite thing that he talked about is we got to have charismatic preaching. We got to like, and the charisma is just like the kind of like bare bones of the gospel. Mm-hmm. When the apostles went out, it was just like you were made for a relationship with God. Sin has broken that. And Jesus Christ saves you and brings you back in a relationship with God. But then especially through the Eucharist. So I was, I was really excited. He was encouraging us to preach, uh, always kind of coming back to the Eucharist. And as he was saying that, I'm like, well, that, that's what I do. That's what I was formed to do. Like, why wouldn't I make a, you know, kind of a, a gesture toward the next half of the mass in the homily, mm-hmm. you know, this connection point. So very exciting. I don't know different people in different dioceses if this Eucharistic revival has really taken off. Um, I think for us, this was a good kickstart to really like kind of get it going in different parishes. We've seen a few different things. Um, you know, Corpus Christi processions. We've seen a few different talks, 40 hours devotions that have been going around, but Hopefully there can be some kind of 
groundswell that comes with this? No, I think there is a lot of groundswelling. I know Dr. Feingold here on our faculty has been going around the country doing a lot of speaking in parish missions, but also formal academic conferences on the Eucharist. Father Hazing, our rector here, he's also one of the Eucharistic revival preachers. He's been going around and, and doing some preaching as well. And certainly everyone's gearing up for the uh, Eucharistic Congress, the National Eucharistic Congress, to be held in Indianapolis this coming July, in which there will be uh, processions from the four corners of the United States, all converging on Indianapolis in the weeks leading up uh, to that Eucharistic Congress. So I think there is a lot going on, and it's nice to hear that you know the clergy got together and had such a good day supporting one another in fraternity, but also uh, diving into a great topic on the Eucharist. A funny moment, um, a funny moment, just briefly. It always got to bring a little like levity, and that's what I'm here for, you know? Um, I had asked a brother priest who I knew had a spare monstrance if I could borrow it for doing adoration at Briar Cliff, this whole thing. So what was funny was they brought this monstrance, this extra monstrance they had laying around. That is the thing that holds the Eucharist, uh, Jesus Christ's body for uh, veneration and adoration um, during a time of Eucharistic adoration. But uh, it was waiting on a table. I was a little late, as you're not surprised, I'm sure, uh, that I <laughs> rolled up to this uh, clergy day. I mean, it was like two minutes. But this this monstrance was just sitting on the table waiting for me. And I was joking, saying, I just really wanted everybody to know that I'm fully committed to this Eucharistic revival. So I just carry a monstrance around with me all the time. Because the guys are like, what are you doing with that? Why, why do you have that Who at your table? carry around a monstrance with Yeah, so I just wanted people to know, like, I'm, you know, I'm here for it. You know, I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. You're all in. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, am casually late so I can walk in and hold the monstrance in front of all of you. <laughs> that way you know. You know what I'm just about. Just so here. you know that I am all in. Yes. Um, speaking about people who are all in, let's go right now to the great St. Augustine. All right? Let's he's go in, back all in. about 1,700 years. So can we do that? <laughs> I'm with you. To the great St. Augustine. Uh, Father, what I really want to talk about today... Um, Right now, we are recording this on October 6th, and the Synod in Rome, the Synod on Synodality has kicked off, and the Holy Father, with all of his delegates, are currently in a Synod. However, this might be kind of our random fact of the day, a really, really obscure thing. Today is October 6th that we are recording this. On October 8th of the year 393, another synod kicked off. Ah. This same week in the year 393 in Africa. All the African bishops of North Africa in the uh, the fading days of the Roman Empire uh, in the northern part of that continent got together for a synod. And there was a young Augustine who had just been ordained a priest two years. They probably called him and Father Augie, you know, his buddies. Father Augie. We'll call him yeah, there, Father Augie. There he was. St. Augustine, the young Father Augie. Gus, maybe. Who knows? Go ahead. His bishop... Um, had invited him, along with other bishops, to actually speak to the entire gathered body of bishops at the Synod. He himself was not yet the Bishop of Hippo. He was a, a fresh, newly ordained priest, but he was asked to give a talk on the creed, mm. you know, actually on the statement of faith. And, and we still have it to this day. And there's there's been a line that I keep going back to uh, it, it's a really striking line in the opening paragraph as he gives this explanation of the creed, uh, the, the creed meaning the, the statement of faith that unites us all as Christians, saying this is a summary of what it means to be Christian. This is what we, what we profess, and this is what we're, we're willing to kind of lay down our lives for, knowing that this is the truth. 
he gives this beautiful exposition to the bishops about what the authentic faith is. Uh, it's, it's a rousing uh, talk, and it, it encourages faith, and hopefully it encourages their preaching and their own witness in all their respective dioceses. But there is one particular line in the opening paragraph that I really want to just uh, focus in on for our listeners today. I'm dying to hear this line, Father Shane. You got to. You're share just dying. It. I, this is on, quite a buildup for this one I'm, line. Here drop it comes. It. Are you Let ready? Let us hear it. Come on. We we need some more background music just for this one line right now. One night only. Here it comes. Ready? He says this. We are therefore obliged to keep in mind both justification and salvation since it will be impossible for us to reign in eternal justice and be saved from this corrupt age unless we endeavor to gain our neighbor's salvation by professing with our lips the faith that we carry in our hearts. There's a lot going on there. I mean, we could do several episodes just breaking down the different phrases of that one long sentence. But what I find so powerful in the young Father Augustine's text here, the young Father Augie, Unless we endeavor to gain our neighbor's salvation by professing with our lips the faith that we carry in our hearts. You know, you and I have spoken about in this series about um, how God loves secondary means. Yes. Like God can just zap us all with his grace, you know, with his divine action anytime he wants. But he actually loves getting other people involved. The life of the church, uh, the life of theology, the life of prayer, the life of the sacraments, you know, the witness of other people. God actually loves getting our attention through a whole matrix of other means. And and St. Augustine picks up on this, and he sees very clearly that there actually is something that impedes and impacts our own salvation, our own reigning with divine justice, if we ourselves aren't being just with the gifts of God and sharing that and professing that with our lips such that no one is left behind and that all of our brothers and sisters around us in, in all walks of life are caught up into this great gift of salvation and invited to come along with us in this Christian journey so that uh, they can also enjoy the gifts of eternal life, God's shared own divinity with us. Uh, it's a very powerful line, and I keep coming back to that, to endeavor to gain our neighbor's salvation by professing with our lips our faith. Yes. Um, the, the profession of our lips, how it impacts so many people with the quality of how we live our lives. It's just something that I want to think about in the context of a new synod, but also just our ongoing witness of the faith, of how we're reaching out to those who are outcast and need to be caught up in this great gift of, of, of faith that Jesus clearly gives to all of us. That line that you just shared so wonderfully, um, that corresponds so well to uh, the feast day we just celebrated on October 4th, that of St. Francis of Assisi. Um, I'm helping out as the weekend chaplain of Briar Cliff, a Franciscan university, and I was able to celebrate the feast of St. Francis there. And it was funny. I was driving around, as I do, all over the place in the diocese. And I was listening to Trent Horn. had just like a quick little uh, a quick little podcast, like 15 minutes, about, I suppose that's around this length, but about uh, what goes wrong when you misquote St. Francis, right? So there's the classic line, the, the famous, not a real quote from St. Francis, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. And so he said that like a lot of people, even a lot of writers, they'll say, well, yeah, this is an actual quote, but it, it embodies St. Francis's spirit. And he said, no, it doesn't. He said, St. Francis preached the gospel. Like he went out, like 
they were they were mendicant friars. They that was the whole point was that they're preaching a conversion, like in the world because it's necessary, right? Mm-hmm. And he quoted uh, a, <clears throat> a few different lines of Saint Francis that basically is getting at the same heart of what Saint Augustine said so many years before that if we're experiencing this conversion in ourselves that we we have to share it. But he said it the other direction, like. If we're going to preach with this fire of divine love, we have to first experience that fire warm our hearts to then share that with others. That seems to be the struggle that there's, we always point out this, the timidity that surrounds so many to share their faith with others, right? Well, what would they think about me, you know, in the workplace? If even these small gestures we've mentioned in the past of wearing the crucifix or having the ashes on your forehead or these different outward signs of our faith, but I think if we're open to it, the moments of actually professing with our lips the faith that we've received, there's a lot more moments than we think. And that doesn't, I mean, some of us are called to be preachers in ambos and pulpits, and some of us are called to be teachers in schools and in universities, and, but some of us are called to also witness to the gospel with our lips, right, in these different ways. But this goes back to this quote where it's like, yeah, if I believe what I believe, if Jesus rose from the dead, then I have to tell somebody about this. Yeah. And it's St. Augustine, I mean, he's just not pulling this out of thin air. You know, this this desire to go out and preach the gospel, as you're pointing, that St. Francis did so well, and that all of us are actually called to, Augustine's not just pulling this out of thin air. I mean, it, it comes from Scripture. It's coming from Paul. Paul, himself, Paul, who himself never tired of preaching the gospel, both with words and certainly with actions. Uh, Augustine's rooting this in Romans 10. Uh, Romans 10, verses 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For if one believes with the heart and is so justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. There's this idea that there's a movement here in the heart where there's the full ascent of faith, accepting Jesus Christ as one's Lord and Savior, and wanting to actually immerse oneself in the divine life of God and live in his grace. But that also comes... Uh, in, in, in such an intensity that it actually, you know, overflows in one's own life and, and has to be shared outwardly. Uh, the, the flame of faith starts to burn so brightly that it actually has to start to impact others, and it can't be contained within just the heart of one individual. Um, and, and, the, and the true love of God and a fire of faith that is so alive and so fresh uh, needs to be extended to others. It's, it's kind of clamoring to be spent towards others. Uh, in, in a kind of a poetic way. St. Paul understood that very clearly, uh, and that the quality of our life is not something that we just put under a bushel basket. The quality of a Christian life well-lived is something that is shared, and it gives life, and as it is given away, it consistently grows and grows and grows and develops, uh, nurturing oneself and nurturing others. So there's, there's a real rich uh, scriptural foundation for this, and I just all encourage all of our listeners to go back to that in Romans 10 and use that for their own meditation to say, what is the quality of the confession that I am giving, both within the faith of my own heart and how I share it with others? And I just want to highlight that, Father Shane. It's really helpful. I think I'm, I can do this often. When we think about professing with our lips that Christ is Lord, we often think about it as this outward-facing kind of to the world of preaching the gospel, which is necessary, right? And in and out of season, we need to proclaim the gospel. That's what we do as Christians. But we have so many parents who listen, so many grandparents who listen. That also needs to happen within the home, right? I think that's what we're seeing is that for so long, we just kind of assumed, and so many so many faithful people have, right, and shared your own experiences of 
of who God is and why you believe what you believe. But we assumed that we did in a real way. The culture did just kind of carry along a Christian, you know, Christendom, right? It carried along this Christian culture. But we need more than ever now that parents would profess with their lips to their children in a real way why they love God, what he Mm -hmm. has done for them, right? So the same charisma we would have, you know, preaching in the pulpit or preaching on the streets, like that actually needs to be there present in the homes. Um, And then present, like I need that from you as a brother priest, right? I need to hear you profess with your lips that Christ is Lord in your life so that it it actually encourages me. So that that happens in these moments, like we said, at this clergy day, but it happens in our priestly fraternity groups. It happens in our friendships. It happens in this conversation that we have on this podcast. Like we all need that in these different capacities because this ultimate reality about the Christian life is that it's not meant to be lived alone in community, but then also with this outward facing ad intra and ad extra. But that's so important just to remember that there's never a place where the name of Christ, but also the truth of who he is and what he's doing for me now doesn't need to be proclaimed. Yeah. I mean, well said. We all need that. We need to give it, but we need to receive it. Mm -hmm. You know, who out there in our lives right now, you know, perhaps uh, subconsciously doesn't even know how deeply they need to hear the gospel preached to them, how deeply they need a confession of faith to ring true in their ears and in their hearts, to encourage them, to inspire them, or to open up new horizons of faith that they don't even realize right now that they're just starving for. Mm-hmm. Um, but your witness to all of our listeners, your confession with your lips of the faith of Jesus Christ, uh, not only is something that is, is going to give further testimony and rootedness to your own faith, but it is going to be inspiring so many others in ways that you don't actually know about. I mean, people are really starving to hear that testimony of faith, even for those of us who are practicing the faith. It encourages us. Um, it's inspiring, and it allows the witness of grace to consistently be noticed. Um, so, just to just to recap, you know, as we're as we're winding down here, let's uh, yeah. Would you just re- return would you read to that the young one more Father time? Gus? Yeah, read that one more time for us. Yeah, we'll just let Father Gus here, the young Saint Augustine, you know, or done <laughs> just a guy. couple of years. He says this to all those bishops gathered in synod meetings in North Africa. We are therefore obliged to keep in mind both justification and salvation, since it will be impossible for us to reign in eternal justice and be saved from this corrupt age unless we endeavor to gain our neighbor's salvation by professing with our lips the faith that we carry in our hearts. So just to all of our listeners, be encouraged by St. Augustine, one who has really truly courageously lived the faith well and went about professing that faith that was so ardently held in his heart. Father Crotty, it's always good to be with you. To all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Keep professing the faith. Uh, keep professing everything that you are holding within. And let's keep each other in prayer. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.